everybody to another episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. It's uh, Sean, Scott, and Tony here as usual. Hey! And we're uh, joined by uh, one of our very good friends from Columbus's improv troupe, The Elder Stageman. It's Brendan Calvert. Hey guys, thanks for having me around. <laughs> thanks for coming. Yeah, looking yeah. forward to this. Yeah. And today we brought Brendan for a specific reason too because Brendan is also a connoisseur of all things pop culture and specifically I think uh, uh, comic books and anything of that nature and we're going to go over the biggest uh, comic book figure I think you could possibly imagine uh, Superman today uh, we're covering the 2013 film Man of Steel uh, the controversial Superman film <laughs> um, and um, this movie is, is interesting to me because um, usually with most films over time, people come to either it being a classic or it's um, kind of considered a flop or something like that. There's usually no in between. But there's certain movies that come in where people either love it or hate it. It's very polarizing. And I think Man of Steel is one of those movies. Like, there never seems to be a clear-cut opinion on it. I think that that can be said for any comic book or and or superhero type of movie because you're never going to please everybody and it always seems like with these types of movies there's always controversy no matter who it is spider-man superman iron man don't you guys think yeah I mean, there's a lot of that like even there are some people that just like will come out of the woodwork and they'll start nitpicking mm -hmm. anything that comes out even if the majority of people like it yeah. like uh um like some Batman. people, yes, you know. Although I think there's a consensus that some of those Batman <laughs> movies were pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute, Batman's not silver and blue. What is this? This is terrible. Batman doesn't have nipples. Batman's not British. <laughs> the original TV show Batman movie was maybe the possibly Adam West, the campiest. Yeah, with Batman and Robin. Uh, yeah, the difference is... It, it was a purposely campy. Yeah, well, they were both purposely campy. That yeah. one's good campy and one's awful campy, yeah. you know, is the best way to put it. Sometimes, this is where we would insert a pow. Yeah. <laughs> or, sometimes you just don't know what to do with a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Great reference. Or you scale the wall. Like the way they would always like, scale the walls. It was so cheesy. Yeah. I love Adam West. I, I do, too. Oh, I like him on Family Guy. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. he's great. Great on Family Guy. Mm -hmm. But um, Superman in particular, I think, has been very tricky for filmmakers because um, he's been, he's probably, next along with Batman, probably the superhero most represented on screen. Um, a lot of people from a certain generation are familiar with George Reeves playing Superman mm -hmm. on television. Yeah. And I think he even had a film called Superman versus the Woman at one point. Yeah, I think that was a serial of some, one of the Saturday morning serials. That oh, yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, like in the 50s? You also have the Fleischer animated Superman shorts that are mm -hmm. phenomenal if you've never seen them. They're a wonderful bit of animation. Where can you find them? Uh, they have them on DVD. Okay. I've seen them on DVD. They're usually pretty cheap because they're public domain. So. Mm -hmm. I vouch, uh, I'm with Brennan there. I love those Fleischer shorts. They were really influential. Oh, yeah. They were cartoon shorts made in the 1940s. And similar to like, I think it was the same studio that produced Popeye. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, I okay. You can keep going. No, I want to. I want to hear your interjection <laughs> with Popeye now. I'm curious. Well, well, you can actually understand Superman as opposed to Popeye and Bruno in those early episodes. <laughs> right. I, I don't think he Fleischer didn't like dialogue, so he just didn't write any. And olive oil would just be just oh. Yeah, I know it was, it was kind of weird that way, and um, but those are like some of the best 
uh, depictions of Superman, I think, that was ever done in any medium were those Fleischer cartoons. And it was perfect for the time. It was Art Deco. I'd like to see them. Oh, yeah, you'd love them, Tony. I love it. What we saw where Native American was building some sort of death machine in the water, and Superman walks out of the building, and as the whole city's crumbling, he's like, oh, this looks like a job for Superman. (laughs) As opposed to any other job, Superman would be... Uh, yeah, Superman, for some reason at that moment, was like, you know what? I just want to state this. This looks like a job to me. That this city's this fits all my criteria. I'm going through my checklist of things to go through. Uh, feed the dog. Make sure the kryptonite's locked away. Yeah. Kill Death Ray. Okay, cool. We're good. He went in the ocean. He went into the water. and There was a message in that, though. You know, like there a, was. A viral message in this. It was very powerful, and it resonated with me when I left. Um... Then, obviously, the next rendition would have been the Christopher Reeve movies mm-hmm. in the late 70s. Yeah. Like, that was the, really the first time Hollywood really took seriously depicting a comic book character, specifically a superhero character, on screen. And did a really good job. Richard Absolutely. Donner directed it. I thought yeah. it, it was a good template for what came afterwards. well cast. Yeah. yeah. The, the Donner version, is even with you go further into his version of Superman 2, mm-hmm. to me is the definitive cinematic take on Superman like from a now we'll forget about Superman 3 and the we're gonna destroy the nuclear weapons because that's all garbage but <laughs> yeah he's referencing the last two Superman there's a trajectory I think with both Batman and Superman you have the first film which is generally well received yes you have the second this is from the original Batman mm-hmm. and, and uh, the 90s. sticks to the comics yeah or at least enough that it, it, yeah. it references it then there's the what well, he might be the polarizing second film, which is either love or hate, then a mediocre, pretty much a bad third, Just ridiculous, and a, and yeah. a horrendous fourth film. <laughs> um, so that happened, and, and Superman wasn't depicted for about twenty years on screen, even though there was a superhero boom taking place at the turn of the century. You mean during the eighties? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, nineties. Yeah. yeah. Once yeah. Reeve was done, you didn't really see one for another uh, twenty years. Yeah, about that. I when think. was the first one after that? The uh, Superman Returns. Yeah, was it? That was that yeah. was the next attempt. Brandon Routh as Superman. I right. you think uh, Mark Pillow is going to make a make a <laughs> make a cameo in Batman versus Superman as Nuclear Man? <laughs> Why not? Oh my god! What, what if Lex Luthor builds Pillow <laughs> builds Nuclear Man and he comes out and it's 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 actually Dolph Lundgren who's probably who they wanted for the role. They couldn't get him. You know what? Uh, on, a, on a side note with that, that movie was produced at the same time as Masters of the Universe, so clearly they probably didn't have a Dolph Lundgren guy in mind with that. And he also looks like the guy from Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. Like the villain in that. Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always cast an Eastern European for a villain if you're making Muscle a Muscle-bound. They even did a Back to the Future. <laughs> exactly. The guy's name is Mark Pillow. That is the worst name for a villain. Mark Pillow? Mark Pillow. And there's a documentary, a Canon Films documentary called Electric Boogaloo that's about all those old, those bad movies. Yeah. And, and Canon Films did that Superman movie. So supposedly a guy comes up and goes, I got our guy. He's an ex-Chippendales dancer. And you sit there and go, really? I mean, I know he was dubbed. Didn't they use Gene Hackman's voice over his? Yes, they did. And they even yeah. write it into the script? I'm surprised Gene Hackman did that movie, and now we're on that topic. I was it's just like, going to say that. Yeah. Funny. Uh, yeah. yeah. We saw the money Superman 3 brought in. <laughs> right. No, I didn't. <laughs> if Pryor can get paid, so can I. <laughs> so on the trajectory, we... So, at 2006, they released Superman Returns. Yes. And that was by Brian Singer, who directed the first couple X-Men films and The Usual Suspects. 
And it was around the same time as Batman Begins, the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. series started, yeah. Yeah, it was a temp by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers owns all the DC properties, mm-hmm. which is why Warner can turn these around more quickly than maybe another studio. Yeah. But they uh, wanted to reboot both Superman and Batman at the time because Spider-Man was doing well, the X-Men were yeah, doing right. well. So why not bring the two biggest superheroes in the world back? And it was successful for Batman... Not so much for Superman. It did okay, but it didn't make an impact, even though it was okay. Also controversial in its own ways, because there were certain things about that movie that she just didn't go, no. I mean, they were going for the tone of the Donner movies, Mm -hmm. and the first half of it worked really well. After that, it kind of goes downhill, like the whole, it's super, the asthmatic kid is actually a Superman's love child with Lois Lane, come on. Yeah. yeah. You know? It just is weird. And, you know, and also the casting. I'm huge, and I, I probably say this throughout the podcast, our podcast in general, about any movie, casting is so critical. And I think what was done poorly in that movie was casting. Yeah, I, I think... Well, in part with this, just a weird storyline, obviously. It, it was, and if I remember correctly, Superman didn't really talk much in Superman Returns. No. He was kind of sullen, and I thought, Superman needs to be a little proactive yeah. for me. Like, I like him to be somewhat and interactive. who was it? Uh, what's her name? Was uh, Lois Lane? Kate Bosworth. Yes. And I just felt like that was a weird, odd choice for Lois Lane. Yeah. The trend lately, I think, is to make Lois Lane... Uh, less interesting as time goes yeah. on. It seems to and be. She was such a great, strong character. Yeah. Better looking, less interesting. Right. Sorry, Margot Kidder. I mean. Hey, yeah. don't be dissing the Kidder. I love Margot Kidder. He praised her and then like, dissed her at the same yeah. time. Yeah. It was a nice movie made. There. Kate Bosworth was attractive. I'll give her that much, but didn't really fit the part. They're right. skipping over a significant. Uh... Kevin Spacey? Well, Kevin Spacey, I thought Kevin. I thought Kevin Spacey did a great job. He did a great. He was the best part of that movie. Um, yeah, character. and uh, uh, what's her face? Uh, um, she's in all the Christopher Guest movies. She played the assistant. Parker Posey. Parker Posey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, Parker Posey. She's really I forgot good. She was oh yeah, I forgot it's she hard to screw up great villains anyway. Yeah. Like you know, you just Brandon. Ru- what's his name? Ruth? Brandon Ralph. 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 I didn't think he had the fall of Dean Kane. And that's the stuff oh, yeah. that you do easily. <laughs> right. Nobody can do that. I mean, yeah. Dean King. That was another thing. When that show started, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, mm-hmm. I loved it. When it first started, it was great. I watched it, yeah. The first two seasons, it was really good. And then it did the whole jump the shark thing where she found out who he was. And then she was clone, a frog clone made out of a frog and all this other. It was like, what the Well, let's hell? not. If we're going to talk about TV shows, yeah, let's sorry. not discount Smallville. I thought Smallville was a great take on the early years of Clark Kent. Oh, yeah. How he, you know, became Superman in his childhood years in school and how that sort of evolved. I really, um, of course, at the time I was also uh, dating a, a man who loved Superman. I mean, that was like his all-time favorite. So we watched, I watched Smallville. But I really liked it. And I thought Tom Welling was a great Superman. In fact, when the, when the Superman Returns movie came out, I was shocked that he wasn't chosen. To play Superman in the movie, I felt like he was just such a great natural fit. I think sometimes it's weird when you have television actors playing a role 
and and Superman has already been done on film. There might be like a weird disconnect with the studio. Is like okay, we own all these properties. Sure. We're yeah. producing all this stuff, but we have to have a cinematic yeah. Superman and a television Superman. That's what they're gonna do with the when they make the Flash movie. It's an entirely different actor than the guy who's playing him on TV right now. Right. Yeah. And the guy who's playing him on TV right now is really good. Yeah. I can see that. That's how I felt with um, uh, Tom Welling. I thought he was much better suited than Brandon Routh. And I think he just fit that Clark Kent slash Superman persona. Mm-hmm. Physically, even uh, his disposition and how he played the part. I really thought he was good. There's an interesting connection between Man of Steel and uh, Smallville. Smallville. Amy Adams was on Smallville as a fat-sucking vampire. Believe well, it or not. She should have stayed on Smallville as a fat-sucking vampire. <laughs> sucking fat. <laughs> <laughs> she was. Oddly enough, Amy Adams, I think, auditioned for Lois Lane for Superman Returns and another oh. like a project of Superman that w- w- never got off the ground. So it's something she's a big Superman fan and she okay. loved Lois Lane. So it's something she always wanted to play. Is that the new Nick Cage Superman? <laughs> okay. We forgot that completely. The Tim yeah. Burton oh, rejected yeah. <laughs> uh, Superman Lives, where Nick Cage was going to play Superman no with way. long hair. No way, vampire Superman? No. Yeah, it would have been a That's vampire. That's what it looked like if it, he had yeah. long hair. <laughs> It would have been interesting. There's a documentary, if you can ever find it, called The Life and Death of Superman Lives. That was going to be the name of the movie. It is, if you love watching train wrecks develop, it's worth your time. Which is really shocking, because I think on the whole, Tim Burton is an exquisite director and usually does very well and makes good choices. I mean, hello, he did the Batman the original Batman in he, the 80s. He did. I think Tim Burton is such, has such an idiosyncratic style, too, that it's either going to fit a project like a glove. Although, some people argue he's been playing it safe recently by mm-hmm. taking things that are clearly Tim Burton projects. But not all the time. Big Eyes wasn't that. Yeah. Uh, Big but Eyes was good. It was. But uh, that now brings us to the most recent Superman project, mm-hmm. Man of Steel. It, it was directed by Zack Snyder, who... Um, has probably made a reputation as a polarizing filmmaker. People either seem to love Zack Snyder or hate him or love and hate him in different doses. Like, his movies don't seem to uh, resonate with everybody across the board. That would be... I would be in the latter camp on that one because he, like, I love half of his movies, despise the other half, and Man of Steel is kind of, is, like, right down the middle. Mm -hmm. I love half of it and hate half of it. So... So that's kind of, I mean... Yeah. Um, Zack Snyder, for me, like, um, I have a, I've, I have not seen his first film, which is the remake of Dawn of the Dead. I haven't um, I've heard good things about it. I did see 300, which I hated. It's just not my type yes, of movie. Yes, <laughs> I have a, I, well, Gerard Butler was but, good in that movie, but... Wait, we were in the theater watching 300, which, if anybody's seen 300, it is, in the theater, it is a loud movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the couple in front of me, I was chewing gum, turned around and said... Sir, can you stop chewing gum? It is ruining this movie for me. When they can hear me wow. chewing gum through constant uh, Greek action of of, of CGI abs yeah. and yeah. Oh, don't, don't tell me they were CGI. They, they were, were CGI. Yeah. Uh, no. it, it was weird, and it, it, it was just a weird movie. It wasn't something. It's not really my bag. In, in fairness, yeah. like you know, I think visually speaking, it was a little weird for me. That CGI sort of. Um, Sin City was a little bit of the same way. Mm. Just whatever that dark visual concept, I'm sure there's a name for it. Um, I, I think they're kind of going for noir, which I love, standard 
classical noir. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. There's something about this new age noir, this dark three, whatever visual about three hundred. It. I don't know. I'm with you on that, Sean. There's something about it that I just can't get into. It. It's yeah. hard to watch. And I think that's Snyder in general. I think he has such a distinct visual style. He is a brilliant visual stylist. He's probably yes. on par with anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, just objectively, the guy knows how to put a, an image together. and Like a painting. You know, I think Burton has that visual sensibility. Yeah. Kubrick certainly Wes has Anderson. that. Wes Anderson. You know, the Coen brothers. You know, those are yeah. visual stylists as far as I'm concerned. I think the difference is... Some of the filmmakers I mentioned, I think that there's a lot of substance with the style. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with Snyder, it might be all style. No substance. No substance. Yeah. It was almost distracting in 300, anyway. Just the way that it was so dark and gloomy and everything about it. To, to, the, back, to the point where Gerard Butler's face even looked weird. Can I uh, actually just say... Is it wrong to complain about a comic book movie being too cartoony? Because that's how I thought I, about 300. I agree yeah. with you. Thank you. You've just vocalized what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. That's what it was. And then his next project was very much like... 300 was based on a graphic novel written by Frank Miller. He's one of the giants of comic books, especially in the last 30 years. Yeah. He wrote The Dark Knight Returns. Sin City. Oh, Sin okay. City, oh, yeah. Okay. And he follows it with another giant, Alan Moore, and he adapted what is considered the greatest graphic novel, which was a DC graphic novel, Watchmen. Oh, and, I saw that movie. Yeah. Watchmen. Watchmen is considered like a masterpiece, a literary masterpiece on top of being a graphic novel. And the movie for me, I had... I know some love people it. love it. Yeah. Love um, it. <laughs> so... The sequel... I liked Watchmen. I, I did see that in the theater, and I actually liked that. I liked the characters and... I felt that they, not having read the comic or knowing so, anything about it, I enjoyed it. So Harper Lee wrote the prequel to The Watchmen? <laughs> she did. Yeah. Yeah. She did. And it, that's what she was trying to do, you know. And it turns out in the prequel to Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan is actually in the KKK. Right. Wow. Sorry to spoil it for you. <laughs> this is a fan fiction I want to put together. The Harper Lee universe and Alan Moore. Better, set, it. Better yeah. set the Watchmen. Yeah. Mash up. But Watchmen is exactly what you were talking about earlier. It's a polarizing movie. People either love it or hate it. Mm -hmm. There's no in-between. I think a lot of it is the love people have for the source I'm material. I'm kind of in-between. I mean, I don't know the backstory. I don't... Mm -hmm. Not having known that it was a novel or a comic book or anything. Just as a your average, everyday moviegoer, I enjoyed it. But I don't love it. I don't own it. Would I invest money in it? Maybe not. But I don't think it, it was bad. You know, I... Yeah. I guess I'm indifferent. The fact, I do, you know, one of the big complaints about Watchmen in, is the end. He basically changed the third act. The, oh, you know, the whole nuclear thing that happens in the third act of the movie is not what happens in the comic book. Does, yeah. uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Warshank get, die the way he dies? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Totally. I was curious about that. I was sad to What see happens to Dr. Manhattan's penis? Is it? it <laughs> oh my gosh. It gets It gets bigger. <laughs> well, that is not a complaint. That's all, I haven't seen the movie. That's all I know that people talked about. A lot yeah. of people talked about, oh my God, giant blue glowing penis. <laughs> That's what, I have to admit, as a woman, you know, when that, okay, I was in my early 20s when that movie came out, I was very distracted by I that. I, again, I didn't know the backstory. I had no idea that this was this character. So to see that was, I remember I giggled. Yeah. Hello, CGI Billy yeah. Crudup. I was like, whoa. I didn't giggle. I was just like, oh, that's interesting. A, a giant blue man with a blue penis. Yeah. That's interesting. But the blue yeah. man concept was one thing, but the penis part of it was a little 
overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fact that it was constantly in your face <laughs> was a little much. You know, it was a different kind of blue man group. I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Give a new meaning to blue balls. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't adapt in the yellow submarine with the blue meanings, too. Oh, 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 that would have been really disturbing. Yeah, thank God that didn't happen. The Zemeckis thing. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So um, that brings us, in a way, to Man of Steel. Uh, it also had another important element, which was the involvement of Christopher Nolan, who obviously is one of the most revered filmmakers of the last 20 years or so. Yeah. He, he directed Memento, and obviously, most significantly with us, with this conversation, he directed the Dark Knight trilogy. And Warner Brothers, after they saw what happened with Superman Returns, said, well, once he was to have something with Batman, maybe we can bring this over to Superman and try to mm-hmm. find how we can make it relevant to a modern audience. And that kind of brings us to a general discussion on Superman as a hero. Um, I wouldn't say, like... When you guys first started Superman, what was your what's your impression of Superman? How did you first come across him as a character? Um, like, what is your overall impression of him? Does he still work as a character? We'll go with Brendan. For me, um, it started. I mean, obviously, very young when the Donner when the first one came out in '78, uh, four years old, um, and that's my first impression of Superman: bright, vivid, Technicolor. Mm-hmm. You know, you will believe a man can fly, and that's what that movie did. And that's you know, Superman is honorable. He's mm-hmm. everything that he's the ideal. I mean, he's yeah. his morality. I mean, yeah, it's based in you know, supposedly Midwestern values. You know, shout out Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was the fact of the matter is, is he's his core identity in the comic books, and this is part of where I end up having problems with Man of Steel is what every person should aspire to be. Mm-hmm. You know, truth, justice, the American way, you know, don't harm, do un- no unnecessary harm, whatnot, you know. Just try to make the world a better place and protect it and protect everyone around you. That's my take on mm-hmm. what he's... And yes, for me, he's always going to work as a character. He's he's the ideal. I absolutely shadow, you know, everything that Brendan said. Um uh, Superman is actually personally probably, with the exception of Wonder Woman, of course, is probably my favorite superhero um, for all of those reasons. And, and just the fact that I, I think the character of Clark Kent is very complex and um, I just think it's a great character. I love the fact that he has sort of like this hidden identity, but yet he has this innate desire and will to want to do good and to, to try and overcome his past, which he sometimes sees as a weakness, you know, um, which was definitely conveyed in the Man of Steel movie. There was a lot of struggles with him accepting who he was. Um, but I think the, the character of Clark Kent is, is very endearing and charming, and I love that when he grows up and goes to Metropolis, he assumes, you know, the, the nerdy Clark Kent kind of persona to sort of fit in and keep himself a little bit under the radar. But then at night, you know, he's this handsome, dashing man of steel who can you know make all of your dreams come true from a female perspective so (laughs) i just think he's great i think it's a relevant character people by nature love stories and they love feeling like they can connect with people and i think there's something in superman that resonates with anyone um and it's a very timeless story that you can do so much with as we've seen in the different movies and tv shows about him um, so I think he's one of the greatest comic book heroes, in my opinion. And uh, he's also, um, 
even though the character is complex, it's also very open-ended, if that makes sense. You know, so I think that that's really enticing too, especially for filmmakers or people who want to take that character down a different avenue than something we might have already visited before. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on that as well. Like, I, I've always been a big fan for those very reasons. Like, both with the decency, the morality. Mm -hmm. Like, the greatest thing about Superman, his greatest power for me, is that he chooses to be a decent human being. Yeah. He doesn't see himself above the rest of mm -hmm. us. He just sees him as doing his job and doing his duty. And that's the greatest aspect of him. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, he's a massive god. Like, he has all those oh, enormous yeah. powers. He can destroy the universe. You know, I when I was a kid, you know, Superman wasn't that prevalent, I think, when in our childhood as like a pop culture icon he was more like mickey mouse where he was iconic everyone knew him mm -hmm. but he wasn't really utilized yeah. i mean there was a super friends cartoon but i never yeah. watched it that frequently um it was only until i got into batman later on in the decade that i got back to superman and really said wow he's such an iconic character mm -hmm. he was created in 1938 uh the two guys who created him were from cleveland ohio obviously oh, wow. so I yeah that. ohio yeah and representing yeah you know and and, and the character of Clark Kent is just so humble, and that ties into what you were saying about, you know, the fact that he, he is this great and mighty, powerful being. It kind of, you know, in, in some ways, I want to compare him to Jesus, because in many ways, he's, they're very similar. You know, they both have this enormous power where Brendan's smiling at me. Nah. But, but, I, but I think you'd get where I'm going with they that. They have a daughter, their you father, have, on, <laughs> sorry, not their father. <laughs> No. And your fire speaks to them. That's very true. <laughs> and no one else. Yeah. You see the correlation now. Yeah. No, but but it's very much in a way, I, I I wonder, I question if, you know, the creators in some way, shape, or form based it somewhat off of the character of Jesus. Oh, sure. you, know. you know, so if that's the whole thing, does that mean that Lois Lane is Mary Magdalene? I mean I don't know. The temptress that yeah. comes into the <laughs> temple, so to speak. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's interesting about Clark Kent. Uh, the creators um, of, of Superman, they were Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster, they based the Clark Kent persona on Harold Lloyd, the actor. Oh, wow. If you've seen some of the early Harold Lloyd shorts, he had the glasses, he was always kind of a misfit. That's who mm -hmm. it was based on. And the name was taken from uh, two actors. One you'll know, Clark Gable and Kent Taylor. So they combined oh, Clark Kent together, and that's how the name. But because yeah. he has the Clark Gable and suave and debonair side, the way he looks and everything, and then yeah, exactly. That's cool. <laughs> so uh, if we really went down to what uh, who should really play Superman based on uh, Siegel and Schuster, it should be Rick Moranis. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it should be. Yeah, of course. exactly. Rick, that's the idea of Superman. <laughs> Rick Moranis, Harold Lloyd. Yeah, Rick Moranis should be the hero in every movie. Yeah. Rick Moranis is a god. Yes, I right don't. Right. I love him. So uh, that brings us to Man of Steel, uh, which at the time when it was released, I remember when I went to see it, uh, a lot of people were coming. We, we were at an improv show at the time, and a lot of guys were really excited to see it. Like, it was buzzing. And I think we were all, obviously in this room, we were kind of buzzing at the time. And because uh, the trailers were so fantastic and got everybody really pumped for it. Henry Cavell. Yeah. And then the reactions started coming out, like, this is the worst movie ever made. This is terrible. They did a disservice to Superman. No character development, no nothing. It was terrible. And so Scott and I went to see it uh, that weekend, and we were kind of going in with uh, underwhelmed, like, you know, okay, we're going to keep reservations on this. And we watched it, and by the end of it, Scott and I looked at each other like, we liked it. <laughs> we really liked this movie. Um, I didn't hate it. 
I know a lot of people did. I had my, my issues with it, which we'll get into as we go along. Mm-hmm. But I didn't hate it. I enjoyed about half of it. There were a lot of things in it that I found really good, and I wish they would have kept with those things, but mm-hmm. they did not. <laughs> they went the disaster porn route. And that... Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of have mixed feelings as well, because I, I do think... Just from the perspective of seeing and having another Superman movie starring quite possibly one of the most gorgeous men ever, <laughs> you know, I'm extremely pleased by that. <laughs> there were many elements about this movie that I physically and visually enjoyed. Um, but I think I do have to agree with, and I feel like I know a little bit of where Brendan's going with some of the maybe plot points and just character decisions and stuff. And so, you know, we can get into that here in the next few minutes. Um, but would I, if Tony Lanzaco was directing this film, make some different changes? Yes. But I think anyone can say that about any film, fairly, you know? Well, I'll say this. The, I don't know if you guys... I think the opening, what, 30 minutes when you're on Krypton mm-hmm. is great because you've never seen that on... Yeah. On, it, usually you see... Well, Brendan's biting his tongue. <laughs> no, go, like, ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, no. I mean... I, I like the fact that they just spent time up there. Yeah. They didn't just like, all right, sit them in the ship down. I right. know in the first one, it was like maybe 20 minutes, but you really got to see a full idea of this, where he came from and, and what exactly is going on. And I have to say, I, Russell Crowe, I think, does a great job. That's oh, yeah. He's amazing. I mean, Joe, was it? Jor-El. Jor-El. Yeah. Not Cal-El. Cal-El Superman. <laughs> he probably wanted to play all the parts, but that's <laughs> Russell Crowe. But, uh... <laughs> But uh, I, I think the casting is actually quite good in this movie, oh, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, I only Russell Crowe is, I mean, he's just captivating, I think. He's got, um, I know this name is kind of, um, people don't like this guy anymore, but Mel Gibson, towards the end of his, you know, when he was acting, you see him in the movie, like, oh yeah, he just brings like a real man gravitas to his role. Always, in, There's always an underlying intensity to everything yeah. Russell Crowe does. Yeah. Well, he says like, so. you know, who's bloodline? Who decides the bloodlines? You. He yeah. <laughs> just like looks up. Uh, Michael Shannon, who's unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Michael. Yeah. I think it is nice to get to to meet you know Kal-El's parents and get to know those characters a little bit because you're right. We never really see them or know them. We know of them, but we've the never C-Krypton. seen them. Yeah, exactly. I think that I I do agree in that. I think that that was that was nice. Whether fit or whatever, that's to be discussed. Too many I, dragons. Too that's exactly, that's, exact, that's yeah. where I was. Yeah. Well, it was like, if it was not so completely CGI, yeah. and it wasn't so gray. Yeah. It, it was, was so gray. gray. It was so... But the movie was, too. Yeah. Even the rest of the movie. Yeah. 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 That's... Well, I, I liked it kind of adventuring. Jor-El kind of got to be like a hero mm-hmm. in a lot. I mean, he, he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um... Sarah, the mom. Yeah, Sarah. His mom was a very strong woman. You saw where he came from. He came from good stock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he was the first natural birth in centuries. He had good-looking parents, which... Which means his parents, are they the only ones that have sex on Krypton? Is that (laughs) why he was so happy? That's kind of... They're obviously (laughs) the only ones who listen to Al Green and Marvin Gaye. I mean, it's uh, one of those things. But I think... Do you think Russell Crowe had it written in his contract, Jor-El must be a badass or I'm not doing this? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I think so. But I think think Jor-El is a little bit of a badass regardless. I mean, he is Superman's father. And for a man to be that smart and that courageous as he was that we know about him from the comics and mm-hmm. whatnot. I feel like there are some badass elements, just like with Superman. Even though he's very righteous and he's a great guy, he's well, a badass. Well, 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, his I wife mean, is, uh, yeah. me, his mom is, they're both very courageous. Yeah. I mean, because they, and they're very honorable and mm-hmm. they have dignity. I mean, when the, the whole planet's crashed and she takes it like a champ, like a champ and they, yeah. they, they're like, we're not going to leave because we don't deserve to leave. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know. I had the same reaction. Like, like I had reservations when I f- first went into this because of the way Krypton was depicted. Because we're used to it being yeah. a little more seamless and uniform. And this was very science fiction, fantasy oriented mm-hmm. depiction. We had dragons and Fires weird, and yeah, that. weird technology. And I thought I was, wasn't going to like it. But I actually liked it because of the way the story flowed. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought Russell Crowe was outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say that's a huge upgrade from Superman the movie. As much as I love Marlon Brando, and he's yeah. one of the greatest actors of all time, Brando clearly phoned it in <laughs> in those 20 minutes that he got for yeah. three got, million dollars or whatever. I got six million dollars to do ten minutes worth of film where I can eat whatever I want and show up looking like I wear a white glowing tent. Yeah. And um, they even pronounced Krypton as Krypton. <laughs> he just read, read a speech, essentially, in the first one. But this one... Uh, Russell Crowe really is acting and really giving Absolutely. his all. He's yeah. completely into it. Oh, yeah. um, and if you compare uh, General Zod in this film to the previous Zod, that's different because I thought Terrence Stamp was a fun, like really entertaining Zod. If you if you saw Superman and Superman Two, it was campier. I've not seen Superman Two, mm-hmm. but I've seen obviously the original Superman. He has a really fun performance, and he would say kneel before Zod. You know, just very. Like, Come, son of Jarrell. Yes. Kneel before Zod. He always called him son of Jarrell. <laughs> he, he is. He is more. This uh, I would say he is more. Uh, Indifferent towards humans, and I mean, kill him. <laughs> he, does of, he does a lot of that. Like, oh, kill who him. is this fool? You know, this movie had a very dark nature, and I think that's probably why they made the choice they did mm-hmm. with the character of Zod in this film being just downright evil, mm-hmm. intense. Yeah. Now, but was he evil? Do that's you, a good point. Yeah, I mean, right. was he really evil? He thought. I mean, it goes back to the point that always comes up. What we per- what people perceive as evil is matter of perspective well, okay well he's a racist. I, that's well, <laughs> yeah i mean well, yeah. It, he was preserving his people yeah. Yeah. yeah no that's a fair point i guess what i should have said is he really lacked um morals he just he lacked that moral fiber and that sense of humanity yeah exactly. is what it is and and i guess from society's perspective or whoever that when 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 a when a person place or thing lacks that we just associate it with evil yeah because we feel like all well-being things have that kind of humanity. You get that take on in the on in the Kryptonian segment mm-hmm. of the movie, where the Kryptonians are imperious for the most part. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, they are. We're yeah. better than you, and deal with it. Sure. Their planet pretty much sucks, though. Outside yeah. of dragons and some weird. Uh, <laughs> it, so it looks like the cover weird of the morphing gr- technology. It's yeah. pretty much a hellhole. It looks like the cover of the. Gorilla's album, Plastic yeah. Beach, with the only monochrome, <laughs> with all the weird little platforms and stuff all over it. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's and um, I really loved Zod in this movie. Yeah. you know, I love Michael Shannon in particular as an actor. I think he's a great actor, and he gave a really nuanced, really yeah. interesting perspective on Zod. Um, he's programmed to defend his mm-hmm. planet. That's essentially what he was programmed to do. Well, cause... and then he became so focused on revenge, well, right? Because his purpose was taken away from him. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So. so, yeah. He's a prideful, he's mm-hmm. full of pride, and, you know, he's trying to defend his, his place. And I, I loved his relationship with, um, um, with Jor-El, because Jor-El kind of sided with him on a lot of different issues. They hated the council, which is always, in every Superman movie, 
Krypton sounds like the most ignorant planet. Unlike us on Earth, we're all <laughs> very good along. Oh, you know. There's no parallels whatsoever. Uh, no, no, no. You know, no decisions no. here. No. <laughs> um, but you know, there's always that 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 rift between the Council and Jor-El's in between. Like he's like you know he believes that change needs to happen, yeah. but he wants to go through the system to do it. Zod just goes, I'm just going to destroy <laughs> destroy the council. Shoot the old lady first. Yeah. You know, I want to rule this, so I'm just going to take over. We're just about to do a junta here. So, yeah. um. They did a good job with the Phantom Zone in this movie, too, because if you compare it to the original, they still kept that 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 uh, triangle together, you know, as the shape of the Phantom Zone, and then brought them up. Oh, okay, so I when we were watching it, you had, little, you had some questions on the Phantom Zone of what actually, like the... 300 cycles of, of re- conditioning. reconditioning. What does that justify? What does that mean? How long is Define Exactly, and define knows. reconditioning. <laughs> I mean, I think I know what it might mean, but yeah. they never... I did. I wish they would have justified that, um, or explained it, rather, because these folks did not seem like they were altered in any way, shape, or form well, when they, they came got, back on the scene. Well, the whether, program was you know, stopped as soon as Krypton blew up, yeah. right? When Krypton blew okay. up, they got busted out. Yeah, okay. So they weren't in that very long. Yeah, they weren't okay, there very so long. That, so that yeah. makes a little bit of sense. I like the fact they still kept uh, the female companions, Feora, in this film. I think that's her name in the comics, mm-hmm. but she was Ursa in the Donner films. Mm-hmm. You know, so they kept those same dynamics mm-hmm. with the, the evil Kryptonians together, yeah. which yeah. I liked, you know. So it's really this movie takes is almost a pastiche of things from Superman and Superman Two, except it's brought in in the way that Nolan and Snyder would depict them in a way, you mm-hmm. know. And also kind of put through a prism of using Superman as a Christ figure, which is what you <laughs> brought up earlier. That's why I was giving you the smile. I'm like, because I did want to bring that up. Mm-hmm. The whole 33 years yeah. um, mm-hmm. when he escape when he's going back to Earth, he does this number. I'm going, oh come on. Yeah. Aren't you guys getting a little too up? He gives himself up for the Earth's sins, yeah. basically. I mean, it was... <laughs> it, yeah. Well, that's why I said that, because definitely in this film, it was more apparent, if you hadn't already made that correlation from prior films or just knowledge of the comics and the character as a whole, then it was definitely evident. It, it was, you know, and, and Superman in this movie, this movie really emphasizes uh, Superman as an alien and an outsider. Yes. I think that's what Snyder really wants to zero in on, is the fact that Superman is an outsider. He's an alien from another planet. In other versions, they don't really emphasize that as much. We know that's his origin, but it's not really stressed after he gets acclimated as Clark Kent and the alter ego and everything. But here, it's just a science fiction movie in a lot of ways. It's an alien invasion. And And how the world responds to that. Right. Which, I did love that. The whole concept that Superman shows up and saves a plane. No, not everybody's going to be like, "Oh my God, you're wonderful." They're going to be going, "What the hell? Who is Who that? Are you yeah. kill it, destroy it, we it, before it kills us, because that's just how that's the, human the world works." Yeah. And that conflict is really uh, epitomized. It's it's epitomized, I think, through the Kent family. Uh, Jonathan Kent and Martha Kent, Mon Pa Kent, uh, and they're played in this movie by Kevin Costner Mm -hmm. and Diane Lane. Which, who I think were good fits. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the most polarizing, most controversial aspects of this movie among fans is the depiction of Jonathan Kent. Because in other other versions, like like the Christopher Reeve version, it was played by Glenn Ford, a really good actor. He was only in a couple scenes, but it was a really good Mm -hmm. scene. Just saying, you want to keep your powers... Downplay them because yeah. you're meant for something special. You don't want to show off playing football and stuff like that. 
in this version, Jonathan Kent never wants them revealing his powers at all, no matter who it affects. And I think and, people and are turned off. Including himself. Exactly. Which yeah. I will flat out say Kevin Costner was fantastic in this. Yes. Yeah, he was. It probably one of the best things I've seen him do since the late 80s. <laughs> I mean, when he was on his role with Bull Durham and The Untouchables, it was, you know, before the ego got in and Dances with Wolves kind of yeah. made him think that he gun. was the best thing ever, which... <laughs> He's not, but he was fantastic in this movie. This is like the older version of, of the Costner we all love, 80s Costner. You know, yeah. like it's the late 80s Costner, yeah. the Untouchables. And of all the movies, it's Field of Dreams. He's really channeling here, that Midwestern. I was just going to say, yeah. I thought it was very much Field of Dreams. And, he, and yeah. he's great. He reminds me, like, he just, he epitomizes Midwest in this movie to me. Like, I know people like Kevin Costner yes. in this movie. It's Same so, thing like Diane Lane, like Martha Kent, just had that very um, simple, humble kindness about her that I think was the quintessential uh, Martha Kent. Martha Kent is always doing laundry. That's amazing. <laughs> oh! Definitely. I know. Well, because they want to show that she's the housewife. Like, that's, yeah. that's that, that Midwestern mostly yeah, yeah. kind of... Even on Lois and Clark, Dean Cain would fly back with his laundry yeah. and say, hey, Mom, do my laundry. Yeah. I mean... Uh, I love the scene when Costner reveals to Clark his origins. And and he says, "Can I still pretend to be your son?" And he goes, "You are my son." And I think no adopted child in the world is not going to cry during that scene because yeah. that's that's the sign of decency. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're biologically tied to me. I love you. Mm-hmm. I am your father, mm-hmm. but I want you to know you had another father and yeah. other parents that sent you here for a reason. Yeah. You know, I think that's a powerful scene. It, it really is because um, a lot of times, um, you know, I had a friend in high school who was adopted. And um, it was very physically clear that she was adopted for one. So, I mean, you know, she just knew that, you know, um, that wasn't her original origins. But I remember, you know, times of talking with her when she didn't have a relationship with her birth parents and didn't know anything about them and, you know, broke her heart. You know, I remember very heart-to-heart conversations with her and very emotional. Um, so I think that was incredibly kind and generous and the character, you know, Kent Clark's father to do, um, to, to, it just kind of provides a sense of wholeness because as an orphan, so to speak, or an adopted person, I imagine you, you experience a lot of, um, emptiness, wondering where you came from, why did these people leave me, what happened, you know, am I loved, am I wanted, those kinds of questions, so, um, yeah, that was a very heartwarming scene, and I think anyone who knows someone or is personally involved in a situation like that, it was really touching. Which made the whole mm-hmm. next part of it so heartbreaking to me. Yeah. When he's having to fight with the with his dad and says, "You're not even my real family." Blah blah blah. And then at the end of it, he basically sacrifices himself so Clark doesn't show that he's Superman mm-hmm. in the tornado, which yeah. is so sad. It is sad. It's yeah. sad. I, I don't like it as opposed to the other depiction where he dies of a heart attack because I think. Superman needs to be shown that there's some things he can't prevent. He could have prevented that tornado thing mm-hmm. easily. He yeah, was just told true. not to. But a heart attack, something that just can come out, is like he's not perfect. And I think that's an important kind of... He can't stop death. And that he can't stop death. death and, yeah. But he could stop this, so it was his dad's decision not to... Which is... It, for me, that whole thing is kind of cloudy. It's not so much... Because he sometimes says you have to wait to a certain point, but he doesn't really tell Clark what this point is he's supposed to reveal mm-hmm. himself. He's just saying that, you know, it's kind of from a, uh, an aspect of fear, not like not like a, uh, 
intelligent plan, you know, we have to map it out. It's like, well, people aren't going to like you. Well, so what? You're Superman. They'll get over it. You can just, you know, go on, go on Charlie Rose for a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're all about. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, no, I see, I see what I you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I definitely, there certainly was a lot of that fear aspect in this film, but I think that's what they were going for, mm-hmm. you know, especially with later scenes, you know, they were definitely tying in and then, and then of course, correlating it back with the Christ-like nature. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fear and apprehension. And so I wonder if they sort of altered um, Jonathan Kent's character slightly or altered his mentality on Superman slightly just to sort of instill a greater sense of fear in this movie than in other... Uh, yeah, I would go with that because mm-hmm. the other things that I liked about it, the, this take on Superman was on top of that the whole time as he's growing up mm-hmm. and like you said no one's gonna like you obviously it seemed like no one liked him anyway yeah um but the nobody fact, doesn't like anyone i mean not everybody likes it yeah <laughs> fact of the matter is is that there was that even though this is kind of a totally un-superman thing normally is the whole underlying thing is i could fuck you up right now and uh if you have to bleep that out i'm sorry <laughs> but uh, but i could do whatever i, I could destroy <laughs> you but you know what I'm not going to, but God, I want to. You know, well, that's that like comes that, up so often. Yeah, that scene where he, when he was younger and the kids were beating him up and he was holding onto the fence. Do you remember when he got up? The bed yes. was completely bent, and that was to yeah to demonstrate exactly what you just said. Him struggling and fighting so hard not to to mm-hmm. make that move. And the him. truck outside the mm-hmm. bar with the yeah. poles all through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I think the flashback sequences really make Superman's powers feel terrifying to possess. And I love that aspect of the movie. The x-ray vision, you know, being able to hear virtually everything that's going on, it, it, it makes it seem un, un, uh, overwhelming, unbearable, and frightening. And, you know, before it was like, these are great that I have these powers. I'm in full control. But here it's like he's really struggling to find his way in this yeah. world with all that stuff. And he, that's what makes him an outcast. He's a mm-hmm. he's a misfit because he doesn't process the world like everyone else is yeah. processing it. Um, and he's also living in fear, too. Certainly in this movie, anyway. Mm-hmm. There's that element of fear, too. You know, being revealed. And yeah, it that. is. And But there is a core decency. I think... Henry Cavill it was cast in this role, and I think since Christopher Reeve, I think he's the best actor to play Superman. I think he he fits Superman to a T. I agree with you in every <laughs> single way, shape, and form. That's kind of his his uh, skills as a thespian, right? Like he really. Of course. Well, what else is there? I mean, no, okay. This man is gorgeous. Bottom line, okay. I mean, totally top shelf human being. But aside from that, I do think he does fit the role very well. Not just because of the physicalities, um, but he, I don't know, there's just something about the character that I felt he got. And I, it was very, it was, in many, for many reasons, very enjoyable watching him in this role. But I really think he was a great fit. Yeah. He doesn't project the apple pie, all-American wholesomeness that Christopher Reeve does, mm-hmm. but he's got the core decency down. I mean, yeah. and and even though he is so good looking, I mean seriously, <laughs> and he, I mean he doesn't, he has a humbleness to him in this movie. You know, he doesn't walk around knowing I have six pack abs. I'm the most gorgeous man on the planet because I am. You know, there is still very much this this humble, gentle way about him. Again, correlating with Christ, but um, I really like that aspect of it, and I think it fits the character 
really well. He does. I think one of the first uh, scenes where you see that decency is at the bar you guys were referencing mm-hmm. earlier when he stands up for that waitress that's being threatened by that guy. Mm-hmm. Although he does a whoops, there it is reference, which was weird. But uh, the way he stands up for her, like it's really nice, really calm. Uh-huh. And then he pours the beer on him and he still takes it. And I said, yeah, that's Superman. It, yeah. That is Superman to a T. And I think that's where I said, this guy's got it. He he does have the look of a Superman. Like he oh, has yeah. the look you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Tall, blue eyes, dark hair. Gorgeous face. Yeah, I'd say a little more, a little more rugged than you, you, your normal idea of what Superman is like would be like. But well, he it, cleaned up after no, he met I, his dad. Oh yeah, but still, still rugged. I mean, even with no beard, he still kind of, you know, wasn't that cinematic forties mm-hmm. icon, yeah. like sure. eight by ten black and white pinup that you get sent to you. But yeah. I thought, yeah, I was a big fan of. But they're his also portrayal. trying to modernize it too. Right. Men today, you know, to some unfortunates, I feel, don't. That's just not how they roll. They <laughs> yeah. don't. Yeah. You know. I like. I mean, I like a little bit more nuance to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a different time. So mm-hmm. we we already had the Christopher Reeve. To me, that still exists. So that's that's there. That does. That's not minimalized at all. You know, it's good to have a different depiction of the same character where he's a little bit more um, introspective. You know, mm-hmm. and he's been. You know, he's not as sure of himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christopher Reed just walks in, you know, he's looking at Lois Lane's underpants and just, you know, like, he runs <laughs> right. the world at that point in time in that movie. But this one, he's a little bit more unsure of what's going on and a little bit more somber, which he would be, mm-hmm. you know, because he's got a lot going on, mm-hmm. you know. He's the only, at, you know, for a vast majority of this movie, he's the only surviving um, member of his species or race. The last though, son of Krypton. Yeah. I mean, even though he's a humanoid with all the human, you know, I assume all the human organs. <laughs> right. Evolution is pretty completely ignored in well, this movie. <laughs> in, the, in the Richard Donner version, they obviously does because when the baby Superman comes out of the crater, yeah, yeah he's... Yeah, yeah exactly. Few full male well, there's, humanoid. There's a naked baby in this one, too. Um, I think. Yeah, they were, he went in the um, when they were putting him in the little... But, uh... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, there's definitely the David Goyer, uh, he, he's got to go on a journey to find himself. Mm-hmm. He pretty much just ends up saving. He, he goes this really, um, well, he's searching for something, I guess. He's searching for that ship, that Krypton ship. Well, he's searching for a sense of himself. Mm-hmm. The most important aspect of that fact is he has a beard. Yes, that's a. If you're uh, if you're a superhero in in seclusion, you're going to grow a beard. It's Wolverine, it's Batman, and it's Superman. They all have beards. You know, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, he did shave. They all shave eventually. Eventually, they shave. Once once they found themselves, they shave. Wolverine kind of shaves. I mean, (laughs) he's got. Yeah. Um, but I do love um, I do love Calvill's performance, and I think it's interesting because he's matched with the lowest lane of this movie which is Amy Adams I love Amy Adams as an actress I really do like she's a litmus test for whether I'm gonna love a movie or not recently like she was in The Muppets which I knew I was gonna love it's movies I know ahead of time I'm gonna like The Fighter The Muppets I could go on and on she has a diverse catalog of films American Hustle yeah and like we mentioned earlier she, she was hustled. In Big Eyes she was she was great in Big Eyes yeah. too a fantastic actress um, and she really wanted this role and I think as America's sweetheart she fits it but this movie doesn't make Lois Lane that interesting that's probably a hollow aspect of it I agree you know I she's agree. doing a fine performance it's just you don't have a lot to do here it's a very flat well I have I have, uh, an, I have 
I agree with you, definitely. And as someone who really enjoys the character of Lois Lane, I agree. And it just seems like her character just keeps diminishing and diminishing with each passing film. But I also am a big fan of Amy Adams. I can't name one movie that I saw her in and didn't like her in, except this movie. I just don't think she fit Lois Lane. And that could partly be because the character wasn't written well. I don't know. But I also think, just like with any other superhero, I feel that there is a certain kind of physicality and demeanor in a person that's going to play an iconic role. Like Lois Lane is so iconic, just like Superman. Um, for example, Mary Jane Watson in the Spider-Man series, we know her to be a redhead and there are certain qualities about her that are depicted in the comics that you want to convey in the screen like they did with Kirsten Dunst and it went over really well. Well, like Lois Lane to me, I feel like, you know, she's known as being sort of this, this little like tough kind of bright-eyed brunette who doesn't take BS. Um, and I just, I did, we didn't see that at all. I mean, with Amy Adams. And it probably could have been anyone. You know, I don't necessarily know if it was Amy Adams herself. There, I mean, I say the same thing about Kate Bosworth in the last film. There's just something off about it. And I don't know if it's because the character's not being written well. It's a disservice, to, it a, it's a disservice to a great character, too, because Lois Lane is probably one of the probably the greatest love interest in any of the comic books. Mm -hmm. She's one of the first, but yeah. she's also a great character on her own. Mm -hmm. she, she's, like, she takes charge. Mm -hmm. Superman only has to save her because it's, it has she, to, only yeah. Superman could save yeah. her. And she gets in these predicaments. She, she yeah. does. And she's headstrong and stubborn. Mm -hmm. The problem is Kate Hepburn's dead. That would be the perfect yes! actress <laughs> to play Lois Lane and, and or, or... Well, actually, I thought, uh, and Scott, with the, with the help of Scott on this, um, Alison Brie, who is in Community, and I knew she was a madman. She's kind of petite, has brown hair. Um, I think she would have been great because she can be feisty, and she definitely has like that take charge. And I also think physically she would pair well with Henry Cavill. That was one of my big differences. Like in the ending scene when it shows them kissing, they just don't look good together. My thing. They just don't. I do think that the character in this, her character in this movie, was woefully underwritten. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, they really yes. didn't give her much yeah. to do. That, I mean, it seemed like, and the stuff they did give her to do was so nothing. Yeah. She's basically you know? a lot of, like, action sequences more than anything else, or she's being She's, like, saved. tagged along. Yeah, she's basically tagged along for the sake of having her in the shot. Yeah. yeah. She's supposed to be kind of the opposite of Superman in a lot of ways. Like, you know, she's, um, uh, like, I like the way that Margot Kidder portrayed her. In I the, do, uh, too. way it was written, where she smokes, and she's kind of, you know, she's. She's Tough. independent. She's yeah. kind of yeah. rough around the edges, and uh, uh, she's kind of disorganized in a way. Uh, but she's very courageous. You know, she's very uh, passionate. Um, but she doesn't take, you know, BS from anybody. Mm -hmm. and they kind of had that in this movie, but not enough, I don't think. Yeah. It wasn't viable to me. Yeah. I didn't mm -hmm. buy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a very screwball comedy-esque way that Margot Kidder portrays Lois Lane. Yeah. Yeah. And that and it works. Yeah. Would it work in this particular movie? Probably not, just by the way the tone was. I mean, the Donner Superman is much more lighthearted than this was. Yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. And the other thing is I don't think Snyder is interested really in the Clark Lewis relationship anyway. I don't think he's really interested in Clark Kent. This is one of the few movies where he references Clark Cal L as much as Clark Kent. Again, that's the alien thing. I've never heard yeah. the name Cal L 
He's Number one, guys, I didn't know L was the last name until this yeah. movie. I always thought it was Kel L or Jor no, L. I think, House the name, L. I think the name yeah. is Kel L, isn't it? Like it's it's his name is Jor L. Oh, L is the last name. Is that correct? Yeah. House of L, right? House of L. Kel yeah. I see. Yeah. Because I, I always know him, just known him to be Kel L, and I assumed that was just his full name. Yeah. I'm, with, I'm with you. I used like to think the name it was just, Anthony. Or something. Yeah, exactly. Like Kel L is the full name Jor L, but now it's yeah. it's Jor and L because when because okay. when uh, Zod goes to Jor L at the beginning, he goes, "Don't do this, L." Like L, that's so awkward. I'm not yeah. used to that, you know. But I could see okay. they wanted to maybe emphasize that. I guess and their at family. one point, uh, Lara, their wife says, "Jor, look out!" Oh, her name was Laura. I messed yeah. up and called her Sarah. Jor, yeah, hey, Jor. She, she says Jor. I'm sitting there going, "Okay." It calls him Cal, but Cal's a name on Earth too, so it doesn't yeah, really Calvin, resonate. Yeah, exactly. Or it could be short. I just thought he was just shortening it. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes involves the the L's, uh, which is uh, the scene in that, I think it's what they call the scuttle ships that's abandoned in the Arctic, and it's the first time that Superman meets Jor-El in person. Okay. And they're meeting, well, he becomes Superman, and there is a beautiful uh, a segment where Jor-El shows him the history of Krypton, and it's very fluid. Like, it yeah. goes, I absolutely love that scene and how the, that the liquid metal-looking yeah. thing that you see all over Krypton in the earlier part of the movie. Yeah. The, like, Kryptonian, like, depiction, almost like Kryptonian movie theater or something. Yeah. It's so fluid, and that's, I think that's Snyder's genius for visual style, stylistic, yes. uh, mm-hmm. you know, the usage of his visual style. And... Um, the music in that is Hans Zimmer did the score for this movie, and it's it's a great score. He's a great composer. He's a great composer. Now John Williams did the first one, and that's classic. But this it, yeah. is it's wise. He goes in a radically different direction. It's still heroic, but it's um, it reminds me kind of a Blade Runner. It goes kind of an early '80s science fiction film. It's kind of distant and mm-hmm. mysterious. A little tone of melancholy in it. Too. And, and yeah, dark it's beautiful. The film, yeah. And I think in that segment I was referencing, it's really beautiful listening to the music with those images going by mm-hmm. with the whole history it's just a it's great cinema for me I think it's the, one of the highlights of the film yeah I do I like that scene as well I really like the the fact that this sort of exploits the relationship with Cal mm-hmm. and Jar <laughs> um, yeah. I really like that I think that's beautiful and it's nice and and you know as someone in the audience who cares so much about the character of Superman, it was so nice to see him finally get to bond with his father and feel a sense of wholeness and understanding of who he is and where he comes from. And I think it was nicely done. I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, a similar uh, segment too in the movie. It also involves Dorel when they're on the spaceship with Lois and uh, Superman are kidnapped by, we're well, not kidnapped, but they surrender to the yeah. Kryptonians and they go on the ship. And I love it when Jor-El starts going, go to the left, go to the right. That action sequence where he's oh, showing yeah. Lois how to yeah, get out of the like, ship. <laughs> because he, uh, he's basically tapped in. So. Yeah. Right. And he's yeah. slamming doors on him. Because yeah. he's right. basically controlling the... He's in the mainframe. Yeah. I think it's funny how I said something like, on, like, she says something about, well, I see you again. He goes, I doubt it. Or something like that. It's just really funny. <laughs> and I love the scene in the ship, too. Because like, that scene is like a, like a fun action sequence. That's kind of why you pay to see these it movies. It kind of made me think of Star Wars a little bit. Yeah, or it has like the a Tron. You know, it's yeah. kind of a maze type of scene. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other scene I love is, I think that doctor, that evil Kryptonian doctor that's operating on Super, or he's putting that truth serum, or whatever he's doing to Superman, he's, he's tied down to a table. But when Superman regains his powers, he hits his look to the doctor like, 
what the hell are you trying to do to me? I'm Superman. <laughs> he just kind of quietly rises, like, oh, yeah, that's a great Superman scene right there. Just the look he gives him, the way he rises slowly off that table, taking control of the situation is fun. Yeah. And, yeah. and being okay with the fact that he can surrender, he can um, defend himself. Yeah, he can. You know, it was kind of like his aha. I don't, I'm, I'm not on Earth right now. I can fight you, you know. Wait a, wait a minute. The atmospheric thing is making it better for me. I'm back uh-huh. to being Superman. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then we get, and after that point is where it gets into the, I agree. the disaster porn oh segment goodness. of yeah. the movie. Too much flying rocks. They were moving yeah. so fast you couldn't even focus on what was happening. What? Well, it's funny, though, when he's on that ship. Okay. It, it's kind of weird because... Uh, Jor-El turns the ship into, into, you know, Earth's atmosphere, where she is not an equal power-wise to these other people. But they become strong mm-hmm. in order to get away. You know, yeah. if she's on Krypton's, there's no indication that she doesn't have, she can't, as long as she keeps that mask on her face, she can be pretty good, right? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, but they turn good. into Earth's atmosphere and just kind of screw them up. Um, but they have all the powers of the yellow sun, you know, they can just, you know, grab her and put her, you know, wherever they want, you know, I don't know, it's weird. It it is weird, you know, the the second half of the movie, like, I actually enjoy it for what it is, but I'm not going to go out in my way and say, wow, this is fantastic cinema, because it is repetitive, you're seeing a lot of fights, and I think it's because he's trying, I think this was a response to Superman Returns, where there was very little action, and they said, we need to put Superman in action here, make him proactive, and have him fight. But it was almost overload, it was almost too much, I feel like, and it was so redundant. After a while, you get tired of seeing him fly into buildings, you know, you just... At one point, we'll go back to Superman Returns for a minute. I mean, come on. At one point, they had Superman getting his ass kicked by Kumar. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. But, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Cal Penn's beating up Superman. Yeah, right. I don't care if he's stabbed with kryptonite or not. That yeah. is never going to happen. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I, the one person I think that does shine in these action sequences, though, is Feora. Uh, oh, yeah. Because she's really threatening, and she, she has was said ruthless. she was she really? was worse than Zod. She yeah. was. I said that to Scott when we were watching it. I said this woman is ruthless. She is. Well, she even says that his weaknesses that he has morality. Yeah, and they don't. Mm-hmm. She comes out and says we don't have yeah. morality. Yeah, she she does. Like that, that would hold us back as a moral compass. Exactly. And then she has the famous line, "A good death is its own reward." To Christopher Maloney, yeah. who's one of the generals yeah. in that sequence, who ends up saying that to her. Later. Yeah, they have a weird subplot. That's like a subplot between Feyora <laughs> I mean, and the general. It even starts that. when she first comes off the ship. Yeah, which yeah. basically that's where the movie for me that that's the demarcation for me is when the Kryptonians mm-hmm. show up. Mm-hmm. From there on is where it kind of starts to lose me. I agree. I there are some the world moments. engine, the world engine, <laughs> yeah. and here's what's fine. Release the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. You know like, we have the kraken. Exactly. I felt the same way when I heard that. I love that line. World engine. Get the world engine. That's we, such a comic book. You know we haven't line. brought up uh, Lawrence Fishburne yet. No, right. we haven't. We We're have. this far into it. Yeah, but he's yeah. still in it. It's Lawrence Fishburne. He's great in this. And I read yeah. today that he modeled his Perry White. He plays Perry White in the mm-hmm. film. And that's actually some good chemistry with Amy Adams in the film. He modeled it off awesome. of Ed Bradley from 60 Minutes. He even has the earring to model. Off. And the white collared shirts. Yeah, I thought that was a great... He has some good moments of like, I don't want you to do this wink, wink, do this you yeah. know, to Lois, which is what a good editor does. Like, on the record, you can't do this. Off the record, go ahead and do yeah. the right thing. Why are you backing away from this? 
I really want you to back away from this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Which is, which is, which is cool. But he spends half the movie trying to get people out of buildings that are destroyed. And saving I mean, that coworker of his. Metropolis is pretty much. New you know, York for City. lack of a better term, <laughs> fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's just pretty much got. I mean, there's like a sexual overtone of this world engine going up and down. I mean, you're just... I've never that seen a... That I did not catch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it <laughs> it's penetrating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Going back and forth. This could be a good Zucker Brothers movie yeah. when you think about oh, it God. with the world engine. <laughs> Penetrate the world engine. Destroy. I could see Gene Wilder being Zucker. <laughs> I actually like the concept that they're going to... They're gonna terraform Earth into Krypton. That is actually a great concept that for is. General's office. I have no problem with that it, plot. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. have a problem with the plot device. Yeah. I have a problem with the way it was executed. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of action sequences at the end, and a lot of buildings collapsing just casually down. Like just, it, to, it's, just, just to do it. Yeah. Well, they're just flying through buildings after yeah, a while. Right? They don't yeah. do anything. Yeah, there's, I mean, no, there's no. There's no. There's uh, no. It kind of reminded me of Transformers a little bit. Yeah. It was like, did Michael Bay come in here and direct this? Last <laughs> I'll part? say this is like, still better than Transformers. It's, I'll say yeah, that but, much. But, yeah. But, but, but it had that same tone. Yeah. Just this it mega did. fight scene with a bunch of metals and people flying around, and you can't focus on what's really happening and. I'm like, wake me up when it's done. Well, they wanted to demonstrate Superman's powers and the Kryptonians' powers, and boy, did they. You got to see, oh, they're yeah. invincible. There's nothing you can do to stop these people. They destroy well, everything. But it, after five minutes of that, you're like, okay, we got the yeah, point. Let's yeah. move it's on. Almost like there was a contractual obligation that Man of Steel had to be at least two hours and 20 minutes long. They had about two hours worth of material, so let's put 20 minutes of nothing but fight scenes and as... For lack of a better word, I've said it before, disaster porn at the end of this movie. Yeah. I mean, I will say that though, in between the disaster porn, there are great moments with General Zod and Superman where they're kind of alone. Talking. After the thing is destroyed, they're sitting in that, that area where there's no buildings and they're just kind of talking and, and getting to know each other. You know, get, where Zod's pretty much saying, I have no, yeah, I have I no purpose them. anymore. I'm just going to kill everything, which is absolutely perfect. I think that's, yes. that's he needs to be doing that. And I actually think, you know, at the end of the movie when he kills Zod, that gives him a reason to kill him. Because yeah. um, he's, remember, Zod's yeah. not human. He's mm-hmm. Krypton, you know. If Superman kills a human, I can see where the outlier is. But he's, he's killing someone on that says, like, I'm not, you have to end me or I'm going to kill everybody around here. And there's nothing you can do about okay, it. Okay, the one funny thing about that is in the scene moments before Zod's death where they were in what appeared like a museum. I think it was a museum. And there was a family in there. And he was shooting the fire rays or whatever. Those people had ample time and space to run. And they were just standing there no. screaming. Now, well, maybe they watched you know, Roger Rabbit. Yeah, no. come on. <laughs> okay, you Honestly, know, think like, about really? it, though. Yeah. Well, if, so, if you saw two dudes just, like, crash through a wall, they keep beating on each other and look like they were... And then all of a sudden, heat vision comes out of one guy's eyes. Aren't you just going to kind of go... Uh, no. Statue, I no, would. Not, yeah. if I, not if I see that the heat rays are slowly moving towards me on yeah. the wall. I would continue to move this way. I would probably. I know, I do. <laughs> I, 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 I do like like the battle, the final battle between Zod and Superman, I think is the best action sequence in the movie. At least most of it. There's, It does get a little repetitive at times, but I, I love uh, the speech that Scott was referencing when he's on the ground. He's like, now I have no people. You've destroyed my soul, and I'm going to destroy you. And then I he wish just, you guys could see Sean. Yeah, I know. I, I'm gonna, I, I, I do my general Zod on, on the spot. But then there's a scene, I think, where he starts taking off his armor and saying, yeah. Look, 
I'm a military man. I've been bred to be a military man. You're just some hick yeah. from Smallsville. And he takes off his arm, and it looks like the classic Zod, all black with a goatee, and he looks, it's almost reminiscent of Terrence Stamp in that scene. Like, except, what if you learn to fight on a farm? Except yeah. Terrence yeah. Stamp just kind of had that late 70s, early 80s, like, gay disco vibe going on <laughs> with, the, with the outfit. I mean, Superman. No, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's Ursa, but yeah. Same difference. She's wearing the same outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, he Kryptonian does. dominatrix. I mean, they have those uh, disco shirts. They have they have those pirate shirts, the black pirate shirts. Which brings us to the most controversial scene in the movie, which we're hinting at, is when Superman breaks Zod's neck to save those people in the train yeah. station. Some oh, people say that's station. Superman does not kill. Yeah. Uh, he is a he's the purest of superheroes. This movie, I think they're trying to muddy those waters. I, I think Superman reluctantly kills him. He does it because he has and to. And he not screams. Like, you could tell that, fu- oh. that killed him afterwards. That's Cavill's fall, best moment. Falls to his knees and just lets out that... That, that wail. That's, I think that's Cavill's best moment acting-wise yeah. in the movie. This is true. But when you think about the fight in Superman 2, when they're tearing up Metropolis... And when they start like doing the stuff and messing with the people, yeah, he yeah. flies away to draw them away from the people. Right. That's the thing that the problem people have. Is you that know, is. he yeah. always finds a way to not kill people. Superman, that's that's yeah. just Superman. The, yeah. That's part of the core basic morality that you know we talked about earlier. Superman is above killing. He's the ideal. He's yeah. Superman. That's a great point. He does not. I mean, this is a this is this is really where the movie lost me. Not only does he kill him, he kills him. Yeah. I mean, literally, that is one of the most brutal neck break moves I think I've ever seen in any movie. Well, he kills him in Superman too. I mean, they turn him into humans and then they push him down a pit. <laughs> not really. <laughs> Honestly, there is a scene that, that is the worst death. Come on, I'd rather have my next. There is a scene go- that was cut out. Okay. That shows them being hauled off the jail, depowered. So, yes. <laughs> well, they, they the, the, the version I saw, they uh, fell down yeah, to a pit, yeah, and yeah. they're still probably still falling right now. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> what would you do with the Kryptonians in prison anyway? Like, you keep them in prison. Well, yeah. depowered. Oh, that's you know. true. But but this Zod is going to shoot lasers out of his eyes until this guy was like, you know. The devil, in many ways, represents. He killed his father. Yeah, yeah. He killed his dad. That's true. He has every reason to end this guy. He's still. You're right. He has every reason to end this guy. But he's Superman. Yeah. I don't know. I think he. I think he kills. I mean, I can't give you. I can't give you a better explanation than that. He's he's protector of humans. He's above it. The best explanation is just people should have ran. Okay. Yeah. They should He's the have plenty of time to get out of there. <laughs> put Superman in this position. That's the focus that everyone's they talking put about. Superman those in poor this citizens position. not get, making the sound. I get it that he should have flown over the ocean to get them away. But if he threw out the ocean, Zod said, I'm going to kill all these people. Zod would probably just go to, just, yeah, oh, you guys stay over there. I'm just going to shoot lasers until everybody dies. Yeah, it's, 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 I'm going to go to Lawrence Fishburne over there. And I'm gonna it, put, was, <laughs> it was just the down. way it was written. I mean, it just. As a as a plot point in any other movie, yeah, with any other character, I'd be yeah. I would have no problem with it whatsoever. It just never should have been written that way. Where that's all he. The, Did I mean, Superman never kill anybody in the comics. Superman's never killed anybody. 
Yeah, I think in the early comics they did say that he was more aggressive. You know, I can't vouch whether he killed him or not, but I know yeah. they said he was more aggressive until the comics code came out. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. In, in the early comics he couldn't fly either. He just jumped up that leap tall buildings in the right. second bound. That's what he did. He just jumped over buildings. He didn't fly until 1941. What if, what if Jar Jar Binks was the enemy? Would you have Oh, him? my God. <laughs> oh, well, that's another story altogether. You know, considering I'm going to name my one-man show Die, Jar Jar, Die, um, and give it a three hour dissertation on why he's the worst thing to ever happen in cinematic history not just Star Wars but we'll, we'll, that's an entirely different story right um, right but uh, yeah I see what you're saying so it would be okay so all Snyder had to do was throw Jar Jar in the scene you know shooting laser beams out of his eyes what Mister Superman Mister think you are gonna die <laughs> so uh, I bet those people would have ran then <laughs> So it's interesting because uh, now we're going into, which none of us have seen because it hasn't been released yet, the follow-up to this, which is Batman v Superman. Or, well, depending on when you're listening to or this. Or better known yeah, as... You could very well be listening and have seen it. Better known as BVS. Yeah. <laughs> and rumor has it, like, I think he's going to address the disaster porn aspect of the, of the, the destruction of Metropolis and probably the death of Zod in that movie. But there's going to be a, a new element to this that hasn't been done in a Superman film, which is clearly Batman. You know, and yeah. that'll be interesting to see what Snyder, because it's the same creative Not team. Not just Batman, but Ben Affleck Batman. Yeah. I'm, that's the one thing. I mean, I'm not totally looking forward to this. I'm going to go see it because, well, duh, it's a Superman movie. But the fact of the matter is that the thing I'm intrigued about the most in this movie is Affleck as Batman. I want to see what he does with it. Because I'm also one of those people that likes Ben Affleck a lot more than most do. I think he's mm-hmm. a, I think he's far more talented than a lot of people give him credit for mm-hmm. as I, an actor. Everybody knows yeah. he's a kick-ass director. I don't know this Bruce Wayne accent he's using. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds weird, but is I'll it Boston? See it. Like a Boston? Uh, it's not Boston. It's just like it's yeah. like Clint Eastwoodish. Yeah, yeah like hey. Uh, you better watch out, Clark Kent, or um, you know, it's, it's sort of that kind it's of. Just vibe. And Henry Cavill is reprising the role as Superman. Yes, yes, this is a follow-up. In fact, you mentioned Wonder Woman earlier, right? Like that she's your favorite. Mm-hmm. She's in this. This that is the first Henry. cinematic depiction yes. of Wonder Speaking Woman. That's cool. Portrayed by Gal Gadot or Gadot, who was in the Fast and Furious movies. It'll be interesting to yes. see it. So, in general, what did you guys think in general of the movie? What's your overall impression, having having seen it? After hashing it out, I'm feeling a little better about it than I have in the past. <laughs> um, but it was a... I mean, I don't... Like I said, I never hated it. I always have... I mean, I have a very conflicted past with Man of Steel, where it's like, I was so... It just, you know... Honestly, Superman and Batman have a hard time fitting together tonally to begin with, so to try to make yeah. a Superman movie in the same tone as you would a Batman movie kind of kind of loses something in translation. But, you know, it worked. It did well enough to get you a Batman-Superman movie. We'll see how that goes. I'm cautiously optimistic on that one, but I ended up thinking more about it. But after watching it again a couple times since you guys asked me to do this, um, I'd say... First act of this movie is okay. It's kind of eh, too CGI for me, and all that Kryptonian dragons and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> second act, that middle act is fantastic. If they had made the entire movie like that middle act, I would have loved it. And then it totally loses me in the third because it's just nothing but chaos on film, and there's really nothing else going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I definitely 
side with Brendan in many ways. I think from a character perspective of Superman, in terms of the character drive and learning his backstory and seeing a little bit more into his psyche psych and, you know, um, all of that, I think it was done really well. Of course, it's no secret that Henry Cavell is uh, amazing. Um, and I could talk for 10 minutes about that, but I won't. Uh, so yeah, from that perspective, I really liked it. The tone, I agree, was, was a little dark um, than we're used to seeing for Superman. Um, the romance aspect of it, I, you know, just didn't buy it. I mean, you know, like in that ending scene when they shared the kiss in that field, it was just weird to me. It's like these are two characters who don't really even know each other. They never had any like real scenes together. There was no playful banter or getting to know like we've seen in the, the first Superman movie. Um, and I just didn't buy it. So I'm anxious to see what they do in this new movie to develop that because it made no sense to me in this film, which I thought was a weak point. You know, people really look forward to the romance between Lois and Clark. And I just felt like it was forgotten about and then tried to be shoved in at the last minute, you know? So aside from that, um, and the excessive fighting at the end, I felt it was decent. You know, I think it wasn't bad. Um, I'm anxious to see what they do in the Batman versus Superman with regards to the character of Superman and that storyline and developing the relationship with Lois and that kind of thing. And I want to add one more thing. I'm actually looking forward to seeing Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I think that that's an oh, interesting yeah. choice for for, that is, yes, yeah. for, an, for an iconic villain. Uh, yeah, I I like this movie. I have my reservations. I think the first act there's too many dragons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it I was only the first ten minutes. <laughs> no, no, or twenty minutes. Yeah, but I I really enjoyed that. I liked uh, Russell Crowe. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him in those type of roles, and I like to see a little bit more Krypton, like like we did. Um, I like the score of this movie a lot. Um, it doesn't. I don't think it's gonna be. It's not like John Williams' score in the original, where it's just like the iconic theme of iconic themes. But I think it fit the movie a lot. Um, the second act was was great. I don't think there's any issue with the second act with the flashbacks and you know him yeah. becoming Superman and and learning how to fly and all that stuff. There's a lot. I mean, that stuff is always good. And then the third act, you know, I, I like some moments, like when Zod's talking to Superman and, you know, the world engine. I was a big fan of that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it got excessive and rep repetitive. But, you know, this is a movie, if it's on, you know, FX or whatever, I, I tend to, turn, you know, watch it. It just kind of, you know, draws you in. It's a good, uh, from that, you know, point of view, it's, it's a fun movie to watch. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's the... The, the Superman movie, I think, is still the Christopher Reeves movie. I think that's still the quintessential Superman movie. If you're ever going to tell someone, this is Superman, you watch this movie, that's the one I would have them watch. Agreed. Despite that, mm -hmm. there's a lot of good things about this movie. Like Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill and Michael Shannon. <laughs> who was that again, Tony? <laughs> Henry Cavill. Is it Henry Cavill or Cavill? Is it Cavill, Cavill? I don't know. Does it matter? I don't know. We covered every single You know, that, that's something that we can question, but I know that he is British. So by virtue of that, in terms of how they speak, I'm leaning towards Cavell uh, versus Cavill. That is a little bit more Americanized. But I'll take oh, him either way. Potato. He could be, be Henry Nobody. Potato, 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 right? <laughs> exactly. Potato, potato. It might be Cavill. Cavill, yeah. exactly. Like Cavill. It's a softer A. Cavill. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I, I think it's a softer A. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I agree with all of you guys on this. So, like, I really like this movie a lot. I like it better maybe than some of the, like, I'm, I'm more of, when it comes to being a polarizing film, I'm more of, like, I really like this movie versus not liking it. I think, I'm surprised at how much I liked it. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. I, it has a watchability factor for me. I, I can watch it over and over again. I think it's a visually stunning film. The third act does fall apart in terms of too much repetitive action. I even found myself recently getting bored by some of those scenes. But I think there's some fantastic performances. I love the score by Zimmer. Like I think it's very atmospheric and moody in, in the best possible way. I think Cavill is a great Superman. I think he's a good Superman for our time. And I love Michael Shannon's Zod. I think it's one of the great, most underrated villain performances I've seen in a long time. He is, he is really, amazing. probably has the best performance. And Russell Crowe's Jor-El is really fleshed out well, too. Any character that can make me, of all people, not like you. Like, and I did not like Zod. And I was just, yeah. towards the end, I was like, this guy is ruthless. You know, I just, like, I was getting anxious because how much I did not like him. And the same with his female associate. How do you print her name again? Because they changed it. What it's Feora in this one, okay. yeah. She, I just was like, the two of them, man, I was so done with them. Which I think speaks to how well they did performance-wise. They did. They're ruthless. Yeah. And I think that's why like mm-hmm. uh, people, uh, you root for them to be stopped at this yes. point. Even though they have a really yeah. interesting point of view on it, you want them to be stopped. Right. Yeah. Does Michael Shannon actually do anything outside? I know that he does stuff with TJ and Dave, and I'd like to see. I'd actually like to see that because I can't imagine him being funny. Oh, I think he's I a, mean, he has a very quirky sense of humor in just, interviews. Everything I've seen, and even on Boardwalk Empire, I was, you know, he seems really yeah. well, you know. Uh, so one of the things I want to point out is, like we end the other episode, is I think outside of seeing a film in a theater, the best way to view it is on Blu-ray. Yes. And Man of Steel is on Blu-ray, and they have some really interesting special features. One is like like a three-hour kind of video commentary where the actors actually come out and talk about the film. It's kind of fun if you have the time to check With it Henry? out. Henry, I think Henry and Lawrence Fishburne and I think Michael Shannon, all those guys come out and talk about it. But another feature I love, it was released in 2013 which was a 75th anniversary of Superman they produced an animated short that goes through the entire history of Superman from his origin until Man of Steel and it's terrific that's worth the price of admission alone they even bring up the electro blue Superman which is also another point of controversy in the (laughs) history of Superman um but yeah, I was about to ask if that was on there. It's on there too. Nice. So you, if you buy the Blu-ray, you'll have that. Well, we want to thank Brendan for joining us today. Yes, uh, yes we do. A fantastic guest. Uh, Brendan, I know that you're involved with different improv projects in town and other projects. Anything yeah. in general going on these days? Just practicing with the stagemen, just waiting to see if we're going, what the next gig is. Usually, it's been pretty cool. I mean, it seems like we've been at this since last fall and... We've actually had quite a few shows around town that weren't just Improv Wars related. So, But also, I'll, I'll go ahead and promote Improv Wars every uh, first and third Thursday of the month at the bit, the 102.5 Big Room Bar. It is a great way to check out some improv in Columbus, Ohio if you've never seen it before or if you have seen it before. I can vouch for that. It's yes. always a great time at the Improv Wars. Well, uh, I think that should be about it. Uh, I want to thank uh, Scott, Tony, and of course Brennan for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. And see you guys next time.
I was bred to be a warrior, Cal. Trained my entire life to master my senses. Where did you train? On a farm?